Hi everyone, welcome to the Local Bites Podcast. I'm Amin Yazdani, your host. It's not easy to start and run a local restaurant. There's big upfront investment, tight margins, and lots of hard work. Some might say you need to be a little bit crazy to run a successful restaurant. Yet we all know amazing local entrepreneurs who take on this challenge every day. These people make our local communities a start. Every week, I host one of these amazing people to share their story. My guest this week is Alex Scott, Director of Marketing at Tableside Restaurant Group. Alex, welcome to Local Bites. Thank you so much. So tell me, how did you start out in the restaurant industry? What was the starting point for you? So I started in the restaurant industry probably about 13 years ago now, and I just kind of hopped into it by chance. I had kind of fantasized about the restaurant industry, you know, in my teen years, and I graduated college with a marketing degree. Um, And then I, you know, there was a local pizza restaurant that I just kind of popped into one day, got hired on the spot. And I worked in, you know, I worked in like service, I worked in front front desk, um, kind of that sort of part of the team until I started managing restaurants, you know, assistant general manager, team lead, even bartending um, until I found my way into our corporate office and kind of worked my way up into the position that I'm in now, which is director of marketing for multi-unit restaurant group. We've been through openings, closings, um, you know, the pandemic we survived, thank goodness. Um, So I've been doing this position for five years now. Five years. So that that's interesting. So you you had the degree in marketing, but then you get into the like the all the operation side of the the restaurants, and then got your uh, like uh, came back to the marketing on the director of marketing side. How does that experience of actually being there at the front level and in the in the front of the store, and of course back of the store, and like has shaped your your career like the, the way that you do marketing right now for the for table side. Right. So I always say that I kind of combined both of my passions, both of my loves, um, which, you know, hospitality has always been something that has been super, you know, super interesting to me. I'm super passionate about delivering amazing hospitality. But then I partner that with having all of the experience of actually working on what I call like the front lines of the restaurant. Um, So it's not so common that someone in like a director of marketing position, um, especially for like a hospitality group actually has that experience of working in the back of the house, working, you know, the 12, 15, 16 hour days that the restaurant industry has is so notorious for. But I really do think it gives my position a certain edge just because I really know kind of how to relate to the operators. Um, I always say I have the utmost respect for anyone that's in the stores doing the work. Um, And I really, really, really make an effort not to kind of throw anything at them from a marketing standpoint that will really like impact operations. Like they're, you know, I never want to come to them and I never want them to be like, oh my gosh, director of marketing's here. What's she going to throw our way today? Um, you know, I, I really try and try and understand where they're coming from. Hey, Thanksgiving day slammed. Let's kind of tailor what offers we're going to offer, you know, in a way that it's not going to completely impact operations. 
yeah, that challenge, that uh, trade-off between operations and marketing is always always challenging. So you having some experience on that side, that's definitely helpful. But we, we hear that, like that usually what, what happens that corporate is looking from their, their ivory uh, seats and that they're just <laughs> looking down and say, oh, let's do that. Let's just sell more of that. And then really not, not taking into account what uh, what the operation impacts going to be. What What are the most important lessons that you've learned through your operational experiences that now you're applying when you're doing marketing that's, that's being be- uh, most helpful? Honestly, keeping it simple. And I know that sounds kind of, it sounds simple to keep it simple, but it, it really isn't. And when you throw in factors, you know, such as the pandemic, such as, you know, inconsistent sales, meaning either sales explosions or extreme sales drops. So really just kind of going back to the drawing board and having the confidence to say no to something, which might sound like a great idea in your head. So keeping it simple. um, Another really important lesson, I think, is always kind of keeping your ego out of it. And I think, as you said in the beginning, you know, people that run and operate restaurants might be a little bit crazy. So, you know, we have extremely talented chefs, extremely talented operators. And then, you know, from my CEO, who brings so much experience to the table, down to like, you know, me as the marketing team, our director of ops, just kind of keeping the ego out of it and making sure that at the end of the day, we remember, hey, we are all on the same team. We are all on the same page. We are all working towards the same exact goal. Um, I think that really serves as a good reminder from a restaurant total. How do you keep that the, the, the ego out of it? Because like coming in, like, again, as you mentioned, talented people around the table, each with amazing ideas, that each one of them probably is a, is a whole whole business for, for itself. How do you <laughs> keep, how do you try to keep these group of talented people focused on the goal, but also keeping the ego out of it. It's not easy to do that, right? No, it is not easy. Um, And it's definitely something we work on pretty much on a daily basis. Again, as you said, if there's extremely talented people in the room, no doubt there's going to be ego in the room as well. Um, So I would say for, you know, just kind of keeping that in check, again, just making sure that we offer an open kind of an open book policy, you know, coming from our corporate office, Mm -hmm. always available to talk, always available to sit down. And, you know, anyone who has any concerns, you know, my CEO does an amazing job at being present. Mm -hmm. And another thing is we're our corporate team, my CEO, myself as the director of marketing, and we have a newly appointed director of operations. So we are in the units, which might not be as possible, you know, if you have like a lar- larger number of restaurants. Um, but we're in the units weekly, talking to our teams, getting to know our hourly staff, working closely with our chef teams, working closely with, you know, everyone from like the busser to, you know, the, the general manager running the whole operation. That is awesome. And so Tableside manages a bunch of different brands, right? Yes. So are your strategies, when it comes to the marketing, are your strategies different for how you engage the customers of those different brands? Or is that like the same strategy that's getting applied across the board? So it is different at all of our brands because all of our brands are so different. Um, I can kind of highlight kind of just like a really quick general uh, synopsis of what each brand is, if you want me to. Absolutely. That would be great, actually. 
Awesome. So Tableside's been around for about 15 years now. We have a flagship brand and location called Libby's Neighborhood Brasserie. And that is kind of a like an elevated, fine dining, yet casual location. We have two of those. Um, the first one, like I said, opened in 2008. So it's a very kind of well-known destination in, in our city, Sarasota. And then we have Circo, which is a taco and bourbon joint. Very casual. It's not fast casual. It's still full, you know, full service and dining. Um, but it's kind of funky. We play like loud rap music. We have crazy lights. We have like a chalk wall. We do like chef inspired tacos. We're kind of tongue in cheek over at Circo. So that strategy, you know, we target a completely different demographic for the Circo and it's located in our downtown area, you know, again, so kind of targeting, I would say the millennial, you know, Gen Z kind of demographic. And then lastly, the last thing we added to our portfolio was a brewery. Good Liquid Brewing Company, we added about a year ago um, in kind of a really growing part of the city. And that's been super fun. But that, again, it's a brewery. And, you know, beer enthusiasts are, you know, beer enthusiasts. So we really try and we really kind of toggle between targeting beer fanatics. And then obviously we have an amazing menu at this location. So we, we toggle in our marketing efforts. We really toggle back and forth between targeting beer people and then food people okay and how, how do you how do you go for each of those brands how do you go about engaging your local communities because like those are the people of course being sarasota that means that you you get a lot of tourist tourism like people that are coming there and they're not living in sarasota the whole year right but like how, how do you engage that local community that is going to be like you want them to come back often so you can actually have that uh, loyal customer base there is that different how, how you engage with those local communities for different brands? It is slightly different, but kind of the over the overarching idea is going to be the same. For example, like a loyalty program. We have a very aggressive loyalty program in all of our locations and they're, you know, they're all the same program. It's the same provider, um, but we kind of tweaked the amounts like spend $100, get 10 back at, you know, our, our lower price point location. And then at, you know, the Libby's, which is kind of an elevated casual dining, it's a little bit more spend 150, get $25 back. So we kind of start at the bottom with the loyalty program. And then we kind of graduate into like kind of weekly and special offers. Um, and then we go up to like social media and brand awareness where we, you know, we monetize a lot of Facebook ads and Instagram promotions. And, you know, we utilize influencers. Um, that's kind of been a, a new like a year and a half. We've been using a lot of influencers. And we kind of pick and choose, hey, this person, we, you know, form partnerships with them and decide, you know, this person would be great to promote our brand. So those are just kind of some of the overall strategies that we use. And we do kind of copy and paste for each location. For each location, you try something works well for, for one brand, it might work well for the other brand. So you can actually replicate it there. And then so um, two, uh, two areas that I want to go in there. Influencer marketing is a, definitely an area that I want to go in there. And then Absolutely. the other side of it is like the, the campaigns that's been successful. And of course, the campaigns that hasn't been successful and have, have fell flat. Um, let, let's go to, to the influencer marketing because that's probably something very interesting for a lot of our listeners. Yeah. How do you pick 
how do you select the influencers that you want to partner with uh, to run your influencer marketing strategy on? So in the, my marketing team, I do have like a social media director of manager, social media manager. Um, and her job is to kind of be really in tune to our social media platforms. You know, we're extremely active on Instagram, on Facebook. We're active on TikTok. So the goal for, for our social media manager is to kind of comb through the influencers in our local area and then extending into like the next major city, which would be Tampa Bay, which is a huge, you know, huge metropolitan area. Um, So she kind of goes through kind of gets a read on where certain and we do target definitely like food centric influencers. And there's a lot of them. So, you know, people, influencers that explore different parts of the, you know, different parts of communities but with a food focus. So we kind of select based on that. And then, you know, we get in touch with them. We kind of set up like a meet and greet. And then, you know, we work with our teams. Hey, we, you know, send out an invite. We say, hey, this influencer is coming in. We decide what we're going to offer them. We make a deal with the influencer. um, And then we kind of go from there. And then we do get a lot of content to use that way, like photos and video which that's kind of priceless, you know what I mean? It's like we have our stock photography that we use, but then the influencer kind of allows us to give like a unique spin on anything that, you know, we want to promote. If it's a limited time offer menu, if it's a upcoming event, if it's a new happy hour, a new cocktail that we're rolling out. So that's kind of how the strategy behind that. And then another thing, if I might add, is um, influencer events which we haven't really seen a lot of this in our market, but we've seen it in the larger markets. But it's pretty much what it suggests is hosting probably 10 to 12 influencers and kind of doing a mass like influencer event. And we invite them, we kind of make our tables look beautiful. And then we decide on a menu and then we send out like plates and, you know, make a special menu for them. And then we get tons of content. We've seen a lot of engagement. We did one a couple weeks ago at Circo and we saw our engagement kind of went through the roof um, for that social media, you know, that social media platform with the end goal, of course, being to translate directly to sales. It's not just like, let's have an influencer event, you know. Uh, so how do you measure that? Because like I think that's one of the, the one part that is not very easily relatable and you cannot easily measure that. Like, we are getting an, an influx of people that are coming in. Is that because of the, the influencer campaign that we are running? Or is that because of something else? Or even uh, which influencer is actually driving more of that? Um, so so how, how do you go about measuring the success of your influencer marketing strategy? Right. So that's an awesome question. And I think it's something that we're still kind of working on, you know, actually measuring that return on investment. But I would definitely say that there is a direct correlation with sales immediately following these influencer events. Mm-hmm. It, you could think of it as kind of a spike. So generally following the events, we do see an increase in sales like on the daily average for like probably a week. And then it does kind of taper off. Um, but as the influencers reshare and 
I mean, everyone kind of knows how how that works is you see an influencer, you follow an influencer, they post about a place that you, you know, you might be interested in going to, you make a note of it and hey, next time I'm in the area, make sure I check this place out. Um, So that is really hard to measure. And we don't know if people are coming in, you know, because they saw it on, you know, so and so's uh, Instagram account. But I do think in general, we do generally see like a spike. And there's just kind of what goes along with the influencer, um, you know, the world of influencers is, oh, hey, I saw these, you know, I saw them at Circo, I saw them at Libby's. So it's for out for millennial and Gen Z, I really think that helps like kind of get the word out there. And again, would would hopefully translate to more sales. Absolutely. And do you guys do anything in terms of trying to turn those, let's say one time customers that are finding you through these influencers? into a loyal customer that's coming back often and like if so what are the strategies that you use for like you're getting these new customers through these uh, influencer marketing and getting them into coming back multiple times um, a month right. rather than once every time that that influencer is posting something and they haven't tried the circle for example as one of the brands right so for example i mean with circo i know that Again, our, our target demographic is going to be those, you know, like the 18 to 50, I would say, age range. Um, yeah. And in an effort, I mean, we want to keep them engaged, right? So yeah. we want to keep them interested in what we offer, keep them coming back. So we are always doing like little social media blasts, like take a photo of us, post it online and be entered to win, you know, $300 in Circo gift cards. And those have been really popular in the past. And then we, so yeah, you know, tagging us and sharing us on social brands, um, making sure people are aware of what our, you know, what our social media um, tags are, you know, at Circo SRQ. And then obviously making sure that our team members, you know, the people that are running the floor and our service staff are, are super knowledgeable and aware of kind of everything that's going on at all times so they can speak to hey, I saw this, you know, I saw, I came here because I saw you were on so-and-so's page. Yeah. And then the, the the staff member can kind of speak on that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe give them some insider information or something like that, you know. That's that's interesting. That That's exciting. And so my, my other question, that the, that the other topic that I wanted to, to, uh, to go into before we started uh, to go deeper on the influencer marketing was around your general campaigns. And what have you seen successful, but most importantly, and I think most, most uh, probably interesting, going to be the ones that you have tried that you thought it's going to be good, and they they uh, they fell flat. Because I think that's that's where you can have the, the most the most learning. So uh, maybe give us examples of, of of some of those campaigns that worked well and campaigns that really didn't. Right. So I have a I have a recent example for Circo, the one that we keep referencing. So yeah. you know. When we start planning, we've already started planning for 2023. Every year we start planning, we put our different ideas into the pot. You know, we decide what are what we're going to do based around what holiday is coming up, based around football season, based around whatever, you know, whatever is coming up on the calendar, you know, in an effort to capture more guests. Um, so one, and again, this kind of mirrors back to what I was saying about ego and just, you know, biting the bullet saying this didn't work. So we, um, Circo, we're always trying to do fun, engaging, you know, promotions. And we recently did a, like a football promotion um, for football Saturdays at Circo. And we, you know, we spent money on, 
on graphic design. We spent money on, um, you know, different collateral in the stores. We bought a beer pong table. Mm -hmm. So we did put money into this promotion, which we put into all of our promotions, but we were just consistently seeing, um, you know, very little engagement. We kind of took a deeper dive into it. We were like, maybe this isn't working out. And so we kind of decided to pull the plug on that promotion um, as it was. And it's always kind of disappointing. In the beginning, you're excited about it. But when it's just not, no one's excited about it, the, there's no return on investment um, and just kind of deciding to pull the plug. So we we ha- kept it rolling for about six weeks. We Our guest counts didn't increase. You know, our sales kind of stayed the same. So we're like, instead of throwing energy towards this promotion, let's just pull the plug on it. And that's happened. I mean, that's happened quite a few times in in my career and it always kind of sucks, but it's, it's, it's just not putting the energy and the effort into something that's not working. And it's knowing that it's not working. I think that's the important part is that, okay, it's not working. And like, I think it goes back to your point about keeping your ego out of it. It's not working. If the data shows me that it's not working, that is fine. This is this was just one idea. We can we have so many other ideas that we can try on and go next. And being able to pull the plug, like having a timeline, like what you mentioned, six weeks, perfect timeline t- timeline to see if it's working should have some impact. If it's not having impact, that that's that means that it's not working. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And we we've had to do it, you know, a couple of times with some of our limited time offer menus as well. Because we're not like fully corporate, we only have locations locally. So it's not like we, you know, it's not like we're a Chili's or an Applebee's or a Cheesecake Factory. So our, you know, our resources are more limited than some of those larger brands. So it's just kind of always really, we stick very, very tightly to our margins. As you know, restaurants have very, very tight margins as it is. Yeah. So oftentimes the marketing, um, it's, you know, I, I have to get very creative with where my spend is going. Absolutely, absolutely, and that that's super important. Just to just to make sure that you you can deploy your budget correctly. Now, Alex, before I let you go, there's one question that I usually ask for everyone, and I, I'm gonna change it up for you to, to be more focused on on marketing because I think you're gonna have a ton of advice for our listeners. Uh, for somebody that uh, wants to start a restaurant or have started a restaurant, and then they're they're just running that. What are the the most important advice when it comes to marketing that you have for those people, those restaurant owners just to start it? Like what should they focus on to be able to get people into the restaurants and keep those people coming back? So that's a great question. Um, I would really look at it in terms of levels. So there's different, definitely different levels of marketing. And level one would be creating a very clear and cohesive brand for your restaurant, meaning spend a little bit of money to have decent graphics, you know, have a, have a nice clear logo, spend a little bit of money again. I mean, on getting a menu that's suitable for the location printed. And then from there, I would say you have to be on social media and you don't have to hire someone for that position, but just make sure that anything you're putting out there, what I call guest facing, you know, is going to align with your brand. And again, in this day and age, it's really quality of the images, quality of the video, and just kind of staying on top of everything that's trending. And I really think that you hear of a new restaurant. The first thing most people are going to do is whether, it, no matter what their generation is, either Google it, and then my generation is going to probably look it up on Instagram or even TikTok. 
definitely Facebook at least. And I find that a lot of, a lot of concepts that are interested in long-term growth, they definitely need to have a social media strategy kind of aligned with that. Yeah, no, that's great. Alex, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your knowledge. Uh, it was great conversation. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure.